You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. This is your host, Derek Gale. And today's guest is a uh, brilliant marketer, an expert copywriter. But, you know, that's that's really only the partial reason I have him on the show today. And you, you see, about a month ago, uh, I was out for a ride on my mountain bike here in Vancouver. I was on the North Shore and uh, riding through the bush by myself. And I was multitasking, listening to podcasts I subscribed to. And I came across an interview he had uh, given on another podcast. Now, when I'm out riding... Uh, you know, I rarely stop for anything, but I kept finding myself stopping and taking notes on my iPhone, which is not easy to do with gloves on. Uh, so when I got home, I started doing a little more digging and I found his podcast, then I found his website, and uh, then I found his book, The Brain Audit, which I immediately purchased as well. And uh, it, all of these resources were packed with really incredible information and strategies on how to be better at selling, uh, and specifically selling online and, and through copy. And, uh, you know, a skill I think every online entrepreneur should have. Uh, Now, that said, I don't want to pigeonhole him as a copywriter, though, even though much of what he does teaches and falls into that category of copywriting. Because what really drew me to him was really his mastery at breaking down the fundamental psychology behind the sales strategies that we use that he teaches in, in sales copy. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Sean D'Souza to the show. Sean, thanks for taking the time to be here. It's a pleasure to be on here, Derek. Fantastic. Now, to kick things off, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to how you got to be where you are today. How did you become this expert and authority on on selling, on the psychology of selling? I wouldn't consider myself to be an expert on anything because <laughs> I just um, so what I do I do a lot of stuff I, I started out as a cartoonist and I moved to New Zealand in the year 2000 and I wanted to make sure that I you know I took my dream a little further so when I was a cartoonist I always had work but whenever I went on vacation my clients would give the work to someone else and you know I wouldn't get paid I would be they would be introduced to com- competitors. And when I moved to New Zealand, I wanted to change that. So I studied marketing. I, for the first time in my life, I started reading books. And I, I read over 100 books that year. Not all marketing, but over 100 books. So that's like two books a week. And what I found was that I could then take three months off every single year. So that was my goal, to take three months off every year and then to do the best possible work out there. But to do the best possible work, I had to work out what do I mean by the best possible work. And the best possible work, in my definition, was something that was so simple that anyone could follow it. And so I had a person in mind. It was uh, one of the earliest clients. This is going back 15 years. Her name was Tricia, and she came from Canada as well. She was in Thunder Bay, Canada. I have no idea where that is, but <laughs> but but that was my profile. That was the kind of person. If if I could solve the problem for Tricia, I could solve the problem for anyone. Not because Tricia was not intelligent. It's just that 
my job was to deconstruct things to the point where it was impossible to goof up because I don't believe and have never believed in inborn talent. And I know a lot of people go, oh, wait a second. And it's a big topic there. But I believe that if the teacher breaks it down to such a small component that anyone can understand it, then they can implement it. And when they implement it, they become talented. So that's been my journey. And, uh, you know, I think that really reflects in everything that I've read of yours now. And, and you do have this, uh, this uh, you know, whether it's a, a gift or a talent or something that you've learned, the ability to really break down. I think better than, you know, and I've read a lot of books over the years and studied a lot of different copywriters and stuff like that. And uh, what I found fascinating about what you've done is not only can you say, hey, here's 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 what you need to do, but here's why you need to do it and explain it in such a way that r people really understand na that. Now, uh, when I was putting this interview together, there were so many areas that I wanted to dig into. And I know there are areas that we could spend hours talking about, whether it be, you know, headlines or guarantees or pricing or testimonials. And, and, and maybe I'll, I'll convince you to come back in the future for some episodes where we can dig into those. But today, I want to focus a little bit more on the big picture. And uh, in your book, The Brain Audit, you break the entire sales process down using your seven red bags analogy. And uh, that's where I'd like to start since I think it does a really great job of teaching the overall process of, uh, of selling and then that psychology that exists behind that. So to start off, can you just share your seven red bags analogy and then let's dig into, I guess, each bag and how it applies to selling online. Yeah, so the seven red bags is a very simple analogy. It's like this. You take seven red bags, you put them on a flight, you're going off to some destination, and then your plane arrives at the destination and you're waiting at the carousel. I like to call it conveyor belt, but carousel. And so the first red bag comes out and you pick it off, and then the second one, and then the third, and then you have a green bag, a purple bag, an orange bag. Then you have the fourth bag, you pick that off, fifth bag, sixth bag. And the question is, when do you leave the airport? You've got six out of seven bags and you don't leave the airport. You don't leave the airport because you haven't got that seventh red bag. And this is approximately what happens in the brain of the customer. When you're presenting something, they want all those bags to re be removed, all of those check boxes to be ticked before they can make a decision. When they have to make a simple decision like buying a hairbrush, those, all, all of those bags are not extremely critical. But the moment the complexity of the purchase or the price of the purchase goes up, they want to be sure that you've ticked off all those seven red bags. So if you leave even one of those bags, you have a problem. Now, it's not just the number of bags that you have to remove, but also the sequence in which you remove them. And the reason why this is the case is because customers go through two distinct phases. And the first phase is they're analyzing, is this product for me? And the second phase is, what are the risks involved in me buying this product? So those seven red bags, they cover two very clear phases in the customer's brain. And when you take those seven red bags off, essentially what you've got is a sale. 
Okay, so now I want to dig into these seven bit red bags, but now, so we need to we need to take all the bags to make the sale. Now, how much of this is happening at a conscious versus sort of a subconscious level? Almost all of it is a subconscious level. So when you go and you say, you know, I want to buy a television, or I want to buy a car, or I want to buy a computer, you're not going, you're not necessarily slowing down and reading every word on a sales page. You're not, you might look at a guarantee, you might look at certain elements. Certain things would be conscious, but most of it is subconscious. It's, you're ticking off a lot of the things very quickly, especially the attraction phase. You're ticking off a lot of the things very quickly. When you get to the risk factors, which is the last four bags, which we'll talk about, that's when you're starting to get very precise. You're going, you know, I have to check testimonials. I have to check risk reversal. I have to, you, so you're going very consciously over the last four bags. But the first three bags, you tend to skim very quickly. However, if the person presenting the information skims over those first three bags, then the customer goes, well, I'm not sure this is for me. And so you never get to the last three bags. Got it. Okay, so so let's jump into the the first three bags, and you called it the attraction phase. Correct. And so, first of all, why is it the attraction phase? It is the attraction phase because the brain is an enormous spam filter. That's the best way to describe the brain. So when you look around your room, you can see, I don't know, 700 objects, but the brain focuses on one thing because it eliminates all the sounds, it eliminates all the, everything around you because it wants to focus on that one thing. And when it's looking around you, when we go around, we see the same thing with advertisements. We see the same thing with marketing. There's all of this stuff hitting us all the time. And so the brain has to act like a spam filter and go, I reject, 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 and accept. So what is it that is accepting? What is it that it's is getting its attention. And the thing that gets its attention is essentially the three bags. The first bag being the problem, the solution, and the target profile. Now, usually what happens is that when we present anything, if someone asks us what we do, we present our solution. We say, you know, we mow lawns or we sell products that help people, some, something like that. And that doesn't get the attention of the brain. The bag that really gets the attention of the brain is what problem are you solving for me? Okay, so now applying this to a sales process, specifically online, because most of my audience are entrepreneurs that are using the internet. And uh, so when somebody lands on your web page, okay, and we want to grab their attention, how are we leveraging the problem? How are we displaying the problem to grab their attention? Well, the first thing that you have to do, and this is described in the brain audit, is you have to you have to understand what is the target profile. Now, the target profile is totally different from the target audience. A, a target audience is an illogical thought because you can't speak to a target audience when you're speaking, like I'm speaking to you, Derek. Now, I can't... I, when... You know, say you want to buy a product, any product. At this point in time, you either have a problem or you have a perceived problem. So let's say, you know, we, we went to um, 
my wife and I, we I'm just taking an offline situation here and then I'll go to an online. And we went to buy uh, plates. Now, we bought plates in the past and there is no problem with plates. We know what a plate looks like. But she went there with a very specific situation, which is the plates that we have at home are chipping. And I'm going to look for anti-chip plates or chip-free plates or whatever you want to call them. And so when she went into the store, her spam filter came into play. She was the target profile. She was the person who didn't just want plates. She wanted plates that were chi- that were not going to chip in future. So when she went through the rows, she was scanning for just that one factor. And there were plates that were cheaper. There were plates that were more expensive. And she wasn't interested in any of them. So what happened there is she very quickly became the target profile, which is this is the kind of person who has dealt with plates that chip. She hates it. The problem is that they have a chip, and the solution is that she wants chip-free plates. Now, when we look online, we have that similar situation. So, for instance, we have a course. It's called the pre-sale course. Now, what it helps you to do, it helps you to sell workshop and events and courses. And you go, well, yes, there are lots of products that do that. What this does is it attacks a, a target profile. And that target profile is not just the average audience. It's just one person who has a very small audience. So maybe they have fewer than 500 people on their list. How do they sell an event or workshop, a product to just 500 people on the list and still run a profitable business? Now what you're doing is you've spoken to that person. They've brought up their problem. And you are now tailoring that, that message to that one person. This is not an audience, this is a person. They tell you their problem. Their problem is not selling product. Their problem is selling product when they just have 500 people on the list. That is the critical problem. Then you have the solution, and now you've got that attraction factor. So people listening to this are going, yes, that's me. I have 500 people on my list. Okay, so so we're starting off. I, I mean, effectively, again, it's it's being very specific in that profile. Um, so now, as we picture this online, somebody comes to a web page. This all needs to happen effectively in that that first fold, or effectively in the headline. I would assume. Yes it it needs to be it needs to happen very quickly in the headline. And usually what happens is when you do a target profile interview, you don't have to write any copy because the customer will tell you exactly what they want. You know, as a copywriter, you write a lot of nonsense. I, you know, a lot of people consider me a copywriter and that's why I said I'm not an expert because the client is the expert. The client will tell you the reason why I want to do this storytelling workshop is because... I have only one message and I want to tell it from 500 different angles. That's your headline. If you have just a single message and you want to write it from 500 different angles, how do you do it? And that brings up the problem. They go, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm only talking all day long about productivity. How do I do it in 500 different ways? I'm only talking about um, product launches. How do I do it in 500 different ways? That's the problem. And when you ask your clients, when you do the interview and the questions are listed in the brain audit, 
you get the answers and you don't have to do any copywriting. You just have to transcribe. <laughs> that sounds a lot easier, a, a lot easier than, uh, than having to come up with it. Um, okay, so let's transition from the problem to now the solution. So let's, right. so where do we start? The solution is, is the exact opposite of the problem. So supposing someone says, you know, I, I, I have this list uh, or I want to sell products, but I have a very small list. The solution is the exact opposite of that. Because when you, when you do the target profile interview, they say, you know, the real problem is not that I don't have a great product. It's not that I don't have this, but I have this extremely small list. And I don't know how to sell to this extremely small list. I don't have 100,000 customers. I don't have 30,000. I don't have 5,000. I have just 500. How do I do that? So what you're really doing is you're transcribing exactly what they're saying. And you're saying, how, what you're doing is you're saying presenting the whatever, pre-sale method. Here's how you can sell to just 500 customers. You're, you're taking exactly the words of the customer and you're putting it down on paper. You just, they had a problem, they told you the problem, you have a solution, they're telling you how you can solve the problem. They're telling you how you can solve the problem. Because you're asking them, you're saying, okay, how do you see the solution unfolding? And they say, the way I would see it is I would send out a newsletter and something would happen, something happened, something happened, and then I would be able to sell this product. And then I would be able to go on vacation. That's it. That's your information. Right. Okay. So then moving on to, in your sequence, bag number three, the target profile. Correct. <laughs> now, we've been kind of talking about the target profile through this entire segment. So, yes. so now the target profile. So go ahead and explain target profile. So, so why did I put the target profile as number three? Because when people read the brain audit, the problem, the, that whole issue of the problem really hits them and then they're sucked into the rest of the book. If mm -hmm. I put the target profile first, that probably they would have thought of it as a target audience. They would not be sucked into the book. That's the precise reason. Ah, okay. <laughs> so that's the reason why it was, it follows that sequence. But if you really want to start, you have to start with the target profile. Why? Because the target profile provides you with all the answers that you want to put on your sales page. It provides you with all the, uh, all the stuff that you want to put in your sales letter. It, they give you all the information and you're just transcribing it. So you start with the target profile. They tell you their specific problem. You give them the solution. I mean, they give you the solution. You put it down. And when you, when you think of it like just my wife buying those set of plates, right? It's the same thing. It's someone was the target profile. And she said, you know, I'm not interested in decorative plates. I'm not interested in uh, plates that are wider or smaller. I just want chip-free plates. And so someone sat down and said, okay, we're going to design chip-free plates. And they put that sticker on the plates, chip-free plates. So you can think of the process that has gone through or they have gone through. Someone has come up with that problem or a target profile has had that issue. They've identified the problem, created something, which is a solution. And now we now we have buyers. Okay, so now now we're moving out of the attraction phase into the next phase, which is it's the 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 remaining four bags. So what you've done with the first section is you've 
really got their attention. So now my wife has gone through that point where she's going, these are chip-free plates. This is what I want. But we have four more bags, and that is testimonials, risk reversal, objections, and uniqueness. But we start with objections, testimonials, risk reversal, and uniqueness. So the moment someone decides that they are the person that's going to buy it, they go through this risk factor. So it's like this. It's almost like the first phase is like dating. You know, you go out for a movie, that's fine. You go out for drinks. And then at one point, you're coming to a point where it's like, oh, you want me to get married? So now there's this risk factor. Mm-hmm. Now there's this, you know, accountability factor. We're no longer playing games. We're no longer saying, you know, am I suitable for you? Are you suitable for me? We have to buy into something. And so the moment you have to buy into something, there is this pressure, and so the objections come up. It doesn't matter what you're selling, there are objections. So if I said to you, here's a free ticket to the Rolling Stones concert, you're going to have objections because you don't know. So you're going to, if I asked you, here's some tickets, let's assume you like Rolling Stones, and Mm -hmm. let's assume they're playing in Vancouver. What would be your objections? What would be your first question? When is it? Exactly. So what's happening is, you know, you, you should be saying, give me the tickets, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not saying, give me the tickets. And mm-hmm. you're, you're bringing up, kind, you know, objections. Maybe you say, oh, oh that area has too, too little parking or oh, that, that's my child's birthday. Or So what's happening is when I'm giving you something free and I'm giving you something valuable, at that point in time, you're bringing up objections. Now, imagine... You have to buy something and pay money. You're going to have objections. And what we do is we try to hide those objections. We say, we hope that the customer doesn't bring up any objections and they just buy it. But what the brain audit tells you to do is to bring up the objections and to kill the objections. Because they're going to have the objections anyway. And when you have the objections on the page, the customer sees it and says, you know, this person actually understands me. They understand that I'm going to have this objection on pricing or value or whatever. And Mm -hmm. usually people have five or six critical objections. And you bring up the objections and you kill it. Okay, so now the objections. So when we're doing the target profile, which is actually sort of at the beginning, uh, your step one, when you're doing that target profile, I assume that you're also pulling objections out as well. Absolutely. The target profile is writing a whole page. You're, you're just the transcriber. This is very important to understand because people, mm-hmm. what they do is they try to translate. It's not translate, it's transcribe. So when you have, say, like a web designer, a web designer will use words like, okay, so now we have to create a web design that accepts your content. And then the, the target profile will use words like, I want to put pictures and text. And the web designer is going, yeah, we're talking about content, right? They say, yeah, the pictures and the text. And you can see the discrepancy between the two, mm-hmm. right? But the, web, the person writing the sales page, they don't understand it. They're going, yeah, so I'm going to put content on this page. No, no, pictures and text. So the client doesn't argue with you, but when they don't see the words they're looking for, they tune out. Right. So the target profile will bring up those objections and they will tell you how to solve those problems as well. The, the client is very cooperative with you. 
You just have to listen. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you just got to be listening. And and, uh, so, again, as we're going through this process, and, uh, you know, I've been a direct response marketer for for many, many years, I'm applying this to the different segments of a, let's say, just a, a standard long copy sales letter or the typical sales process, right? So now as we're working through, I'm taking this information and I'm putting it into a sales process online. So the attract, you know, the the first, uh, the, the problem, the solution, that's what we're using to grab attention. Um, at what point are you overcoming the objections? Have we introduced? So the solution... When we hit that section, we say, hey, here's the solution using their language. Now, at some point, we need to be introducing the the features and the the benefits of those features as we're, we're selling our product um, going through that process. At what point are you objection handling? Okay. So if you want the sequence, it, it follows or it runs this way. You have the headline. The headline has a problem. And it usually has a solution. Mm -hmm. Then you bring up that problem, that singular problem, their biggest problem. And you bring it up and you go into that maybe a paragraph, maybe two paragraphs. You're bringing up the problem. You're you're not bringing any solution there. You're just driving home that problem. And you're driving home the consequences of that problem. Mm -hmm. You might bring up a second problem, which the client has identified as a secondary problem, and you bring up that problem and you drive home those consequences. At this point in time, the client is saying, okay, I've had enough of the problems, now give me the solution. And that's when you have presenting the brain audit workshop or presenting the, 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 this product, and then you bring up the solution. And then you drive home that solution in all its detail, and from there on, you go to what is called the, uh, the, f- the objections. And you kill at least a couple of the objections. After which, you've got features and you've got benefits. So now this is not listed so much in the brain audit because it makes it too confusing. Sure. But on, on a sales page, you're going to have features and you're going to have benefits. And you're going to have bullet points. So features, and, so features you're going to have like five big features. And they're going to follow... A very clear system of problem and solution. So the, it's it's not just writing about the features, but describing the features. Just four or five, and then you can have twenty-five bullets or fifty bullets. It doesn't matter, but every single one of them has to be like a headline. Every single one of them has to be curious. Mm-hmm. We so we've got to problem, solution, target profile. We've done objections. We've also brought up these bullets and stuff, which is not in the brain on, but it's part of copywriting. And then we have the next stage, which is testimonials. Now, testimonials don't necessarily follow a sequence because they can be in the left-hand bar, they can be on the right-hand side, they can be in the middle, in the bottom, they can be all over the place. But once you've covered the objections, you have to remember that the flip side of the objection is the testimonial. So if you take a coin and you look at one side, one side is the objection, and the other side is the testimonials. So what you're really doing is you're taking those objections and you're killing them once over. And then the testimonials are using that same objection and getting the client to kill it. Got it. So when you're collecting testimonials, you're, you, you should be soliciting testimonials that are specifically addressing individual objections. 
at the very least. So, so supposing you're doing like an article writing course and they're, they're saying that the article writing course, you know, so for instance, we sell an article writing course, we call it the toughest writing course in the world. And the, the testimonial addresses that problem. It says, this is the toughest writing course in the world and I, I wasn't keen on doing it and here's what I found. Mm, okay. So, all right. So, uh, and I think testimonials are probably one of those ones that uh, a lot of people mess up because they go out, they say, hey, you know, can I get a testimonial? They just get sort of a generic, you know, that we love you type testimonial that that, that has very little impact. So, okay. So, so you go out, you solicit those testimonials. But, now, but you, want, you want reverse testimonials. And this is again in the brain audit. Reverse testimonials are based on human nature. So human nature doesn't, when, whenever someone, you know, they don't necessarily give us a compliment. They give us this reverse compliment, which is, you know, I was not keen to come to your workshop because I had to drive 200 kilometers and then I had to do this and, and here's what I found. So there's this before to the testimonial that never seems to make a lot of testimonial. And you find this a lot on Amazon. You find when you get the really good testimonials, they're like skeptical to begin with. And yeah. then they start to go into the real meat, which is this is what I found. And you want to have testimonials that are not sugar-coated, which is, you know, this was wonderful. I had a great time. No, no. First, you want to bring out, because when you have a testimonial that has the complete experience, which is, I didn't want to drive there. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to buy this. I didn't, I thought it was too expensive. The client is reading it is going, yes, that's me. And here's what they found. You know, here's what that testimonial is saying. So the client is going through that whole, it's not a testimonial, it's an experience. It's just branded as a testimonial. And now you can have shorter versions of the testimonials and longer. We have testimonials that are a thousand words. <laughs> wow. So... I just want to pause pause you there and just say for everybody that's listening to this, you just got one of the most valuable lessons in testimonials that uh, that could be given, okay? So if you have testimonials on your website right now, which most people do, that are those sort of vanilla, happy, we love you type testimonials, you need to go back and really look at those and say, are, are, they, are they effective? And I love this, uh, you know, the reverse testimonial strategy. And, uh, you know, Sean, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think I think what's happened is is when people see those kind of vanilla testimonials, they're very, they don't resonate. They have very little impact whatsoever. So um, that's that's brilliant. Okay, so moving from testimonials. So we've used the testimonials to effectively handle the objections. Again, utilizing those reverse testimonials which then brings us to? So we've got now risk reversal. So people have gone through this whole sequence of attraction and they've gone through objections, they've gone through testimonials. And risk is the single most, single biggest issue. If you want to boil down marketing to two factors, it is attraction and risk. And then there is a third thing, which is urgency. So, okay, maybe three. But... (laughs) (laughs) but, (laughs) But attraction, risk, and urgency. And if I'm even slightly doubtful of the risk factor, then I will bail out of it. And what you want to do is you want to you want to test everything you do with real life. And 
you know, when you go through a dating sequence, you go through all of this, you go through, you know, am I attracted to this person? What problems does this person solve? You know, what are the objections I would have dating this person? You know, what do the other people say about this person? Uh, what's the risk involved in this person? Is this a crazy person? You know, does she wake up, in my case, does she wake up at six o'clock clanging cymbals, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what's the risk involved? And most people think of risk as money back. And we've found that that's not true at all. Money back is just this kind of thing that, you know, I'm not making a stupid thing, making making a stupid decision. Essentially, people want to solve their whatever objection they have in their mind but this is like the most biggest the biggest objection so when we were doing home studies which we used to ship we don't do that anymore the biggest objection that people had the biggest risk they had was they were afraid to manhandle the cds and they manhandled the the notes they felt that if it got torn or the cd got this you know scratched in some way they wouldn't get their money back and so what we had was a lawnmower guarantee so what we said was <laughs> When you get the stuff and if you don't like it, take your lawnmower and run it over the CDs and the notes and then put all the stuff in a bag, in a box and send it back to us and you'll get all your money back. So that dramatically increased the sales because now people were, they were afraid of this one factor that nobody had brought up. And the only way we knew that was because we spoke to them and they told us that this was the problem. So when, when we do workshops, for instance, one of the big risk factors that they have is that they're sitting in the workshop and the first time they hear the information is when the presenter gives them the notes. And so your risk reversal could be you get all the notes one month in advance. So when you come to the workshop, you're feeling safe. It's not about the money back. In fact, when you come to one of our workshops, we don't give you any risk, any money back. Right. So there, there is no, you know, sit there for three hours and sit there for the day. No, no, no. You get all your stuff one month in advance. You go through it. It's crap. You get your money back at that point in time. Don't even book your tickets. Okay, so let's let's um, let's come up with a scenario here. Let's say I've I've developed a, you know, a, a, a product or a, a course, and it's going to teach people how to uh, train an aggressive dog okay how to how to make a dog less aggressive all right so um now you know somebody's investing in the course obviously they want to solve this problem they have an aggressive dog maybe they're afraid it's going to bite somebody uh it's not listening and so they're going to invest in the in our training how do we position a guarantee that is effectively um, handling their real problem. Okay, so you, you've thrown one straight at me. But <laughs> so so what, what they're looking for is they failed repeatedly. They don't want their money back. They already had their money before they gave it to you, remember? Yeah. So they don't really want their money back. They want you to solve the problem of the aggressive dog. And they want a ratification. They want proof that it's going to work. And what you're saying is, when you get this package, within the first five minutes, your dog will do exactly what you want it to do. Okay. That's, that's it. And then, you know, so 
the rest of the package will help you reach your goal, but you will know in the first five minutes. So now what you're doing, you're branding the money back guarantee. It's, you don't have to go through like seven hours of training. In the first five minutes with this caller training, so it's the caller training money back guarantee. Within the first five minutes, the first five minutes of this op opening your box, you're going to get these instructions. Your dog is going to do exactly what you want. You're never going to get it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. So effectively, um, another way to look at this is, is, is naming your guarantee to overcome that big objection. If you don't get X, buy X, you get your money back and Ex actually applying a name to it. Right, because you're focusing now on a specific thing. Like, if I'm going to buy a course that's guaranteeing me, um, uh, that's going to work with 500 customers, that's what I want. You know, I, I want to see at least three customers buy something in the next one, one day or one week or whatever. And that, that, that would satisfy me. You know, I, maybe 500 sales would satisfy me a lot better, but three sales, I could never do that before. Got it. Okay. So now, and the reason I wanted to dig in on that is because I see crappy guarantees every day and, and everybody defaults to the hundred percent money back guarantee. If you're not happy, there's no risk, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but I love the way you explain that and you position it and, and creating, I, I first of all, I wrote down lawnmower guarantee because I think that's absolutely one of the, the, the best positionings for a, for a guarantee, particularly for an information type product. That's brilliant. So uh, for everybody that's listening there, if you are, uh, if you have a guarantee on your website and it's, you know, the typical hundred percent money back satisfaction guarantee, um, you need to go back and need to look at that and, and ask yourself, what is, what is the reason they're buying this and, and cr put on, put on a little bit of a creativity hat here and come up with a name that addresses that in the guarantee and go beyond just that standard guarantee. I love that. So, all right. So bag number six, one more left. Correct. So what's happened is we've gone through the first one, which is the attraction, which is problem solution target profile. We've gone through objections, testimonials, risk reversal. This last bag is so critical that if you don't get it right, all you have done is set up the person to go to the competition. So now they are very educated. So when you think of it from the, you know, my wife buying those plates, what she's done is she's identified herself, she's decided, she's got all the risk reversal, she's got everything, but now she's got two sets of plates. Like, on that shelf, there are two sets or three sets that are doing exactly the same thing. So how does she buy? And that's where uniqueness comes into play. This is the reason why pizza, uh, uh, sorry, um, Domino's Pizza became a billion-dollar brand. So when everyone talks about positioning, that, this is the factor, the uniqueness. This is what makes you completely different from everybody else. And... They became a billion-dollar brand not because they had the best pizza or the spiciest pizza or whatever, but because they promised delivery in 30 minutes or less. And when when you take on that uniqueness, you have to remember that when people say, we are unique because we do this, this, and this, they have flouted the fundamental of uniqueness. Uniqueness means one thing that you do better than everybody else. So... When 
now, now this can be either a positive uniqueness or could be a negative uniqueness. They both work. So a positive uniqueness would be one like Domino's Pizza, where they say, this is what we promise, and if we don't keep up to this promise, then you will, you know, it's almost like a uniqueness and money-back guarantee. But the uniqueness was, if you want to boil it down to one thing, it was speed. With Volvo, the uniqueness is um, safety. We we haven't seen a Volvo ad for ages, but we know that it's safety. So what they're doing is they're saying, we have all of these benefits and features, and your product will have a lot of benefits and features. But they're saying, we're going to randomly pick one thing, and we're going to become the best in the world at that one thing. So let's say you have that dog training thing, and now you say, what's unique about it? Well, that very thing that you gave the money-back guarantee, it's like, you know, your, your, most other dog training systems, it takes you three hours to solve the problem, or it takes you three weeks to solve the problem. We can do this in 24 hours. So, for instance, to give you another example, which is also in the brain audit, my wife, she used to sneeze. She had a lot of allergies for a whole bunch of things, and she didn't know what they were. Now, when she went, you know, you have all these options of different clinics and blood tests and all that stuff, and eventually she found a place, and they said, you know, in 24 hours, if you were allergic to cats, you can go and hug a cat in 24 hours. So what she had was this uniqueness factor that none of the other clinics were offering. And that is what you'd call a uniqueness that guarantees something. The other side of uniqueness is something which is called an anti-uniqueness, which is like, for instance, our article writing course. In that we say, this is the toughest writing course in the world. And you think, why would anyone sign up for the toughest writing course <laughs> in the world? You know, the day we changed that, that uniqueness, we have been selling out that course in 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's priced at $3,000. We have a waiting list year after year after year. I cannot handle the demand for that course. Nothing changed. The, the, the presenter, that's me, same. Notes, same. Everything same. What changed? The uniqueness. So when people look at other courses, they'll look at article writing courses that are $500 and $300. And I don't know if there are more than $3,000 courses, but ours is pretty high up there when you look at small businesses. And they still choose it because they know this is what toughness means. And then you've got to explain what it means. What do you mean by tough? Okay, so with your... Sorry, with your course there, and I was trying to write that. Out. What did what kind of uniqueness did you call that? The the article writing course. Yeah. So you yeah, what, yeah. what you so, what so, was the so the uniqueness is it's the toughest writing course in the world, and so people say, what do you mean by toughest writing course? And that is that you have to write five days a week for three months in a row. So, and and just to to clarify my point, so you, there's the positive uniqueness, but then you call that not a negative uniqueness, but yeah. a anti, or was it yeah. anti-uniqueness? Possibly, I mean, <laughs> one for better. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and that 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 yeah, that's a very interesting positioning on that. So when you implemented that, um, y you watched your results change dramatically. Correct. 
And I can honestly say the $3,000 course, that is probably, as far as pricing goes, one of the most expensive courses out there for article writing. Correct. That I, so th- that's, that's, that's huge. Okay. So, um, all right. So we, we've covered all of these different elements here. And um, when somebody's just getting started, what is your advice to them? So as a new entrepreneur, um, I've got this product. I want to sell it. I go out there. I, p- I pick up the brain on it. Well, you know, what's, what's sort of the, the foundation? If you had to say, here's the one thing you need to do and get right, what is it? I would say get a yellow marker, print out the page, and identify the red bags on it. So say you're looking at a page and and don't look at the pages where they have all this urgency like you know this is going to explode in 30 seconds look at the stuff that you're you want desperately but you feel that I can't afford it right now or I you know some something that's driving you to buy that product or service and so and they've got a great sales page print out that sales page so you can go to psychotactics or Derek's, I don't know, I haven't seen your sales page. I'm not saying anything. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now I don't want to show it to you. (laughs) But print it out, get a yellow marker, and say, where is the problem? Is there a target profile speaking here? Is there a copywriter speaking? You know, is do these words resonate with me at all as a reader? If it doesn't resonate with you, it sounds like copy, it is usually the copywriter writing. If it sounds like you speaking to yourself that's the target profile speaking you know and then go through all the elements in the brain audit which is you know where are the objections where is the testimonial is there a is there a risk reversal there might not be a risk reversal why is there no risk reversal so for instance if you come to one of our workshops there's no risk reversal if you come to if you do any of our courses there's no risk reversal why is there no risk reversal because it's been taken care of when we pre-sold the course, we send out a, a booklet in advance so that people can look through testimonials that are a thousand words long and they've got 75 pages of that booklet. Is there a risk anymore? No, because you're reading a thousand word testimonial and another thousand word testimonial and another thousand word testimonial. Where's the risk? That risk has been covered in that section. So what you've got to do is you've got to, at the first level, familiarize yourself with the language of copywriting just like you familiarize yourself with the language if you were learning Spanish or Mandarin you would have to listen to it for a while and the best way to go about it is to read the brain audit or even just listen to this podcast and keep all those bags and then get the yellow marker and find it on the page because now that's alerting your brain to how do I then implement it And the way to implement it is to follow the target profile questions. Go there and speak to a a client of yours, a good client, not a bad client. If you speak to a bad client, you will get bad answers and you will attract (laughs) the wrong clients. It's interesting. You know, the wrong photographs on the page, you put photographs of creeps, you will get creeps. You put photographs of greedy people, you will get greedy people. It's just a mirror. Huh. So, so stage one would be just the yellow marker stage. That's the easiest, quickest thing you can do. Got it. 
All right. So uh, one more thing did pop in my head here. and We're almost out of time. Uh, but there's one thing that you said uh, when we were talking about sort of the, the three most important things. And there's one thing that we have that's not really talked about in these in the the uh, seven yellow bags, and that is urgency. And, uh, I, you know, urgency is one of those tactics that I see messed up in so many, you know, so many different uh sales letters and, and sites and stuff where people are creating urgency and it's just not believable or, or it doesn't make sense. And so what's your advice on creating urgency? The first advice is never go back on your word. If you say it's the 15th of June, that's it. 15th of June. There is no, sorry, you missed it. No, that's it. Because people are always, always watching. And, you know, when you get greedy, it doesn't work to your favor because people remember this person sold it again on the 16th of June. So that's rule number one. Rule number two about urgency is that people don't buy when you want to sell. So if you're trying to sell the brain audit today, if I try to sell it to you, you're not going to buy it. But you will listen to this podcast. At the end of this, I'll probably give you a little report that you can read, maybe a whole chapter on the brain audit. And then somewhere down the line, maybe a week from now, a month from now, six years from now, you will buy the first product. What you've got to understand is that marketing is not an urgency factor as in, you know, the moment you want to sell it, people are going to buy it. You're selling or you're telling all the time and then you have what is called an event. And at that point in time, you get the maximum number of sales. And you're creating an urgency, but you're... It's, it's like the, the whole sequence of, I will marry you today, but all of those dates have ended up in that one moment of urgency where you have to sign the document and wear the ring. It's not like you can just wake up there and say, okay, this offer is expiring and it's going to work. People buy, uh, they, 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 they pay long before they, I mean, they, they buy long before they pay. And Got it. so you have to sell and you have to tell long before they're ready to pay for it. Right. Excellent. Okay. So um, now to wrap things up, first of all, you know, again, thank you for, for sharing so much. And I mean, we've, we've gone through the framework uh, of your book, but I also know that there's a, a heck of a lot more there. So where, where do people continue to learn from you and find more? If you are in this urgent need to buy it, there is <laughs> <laughs> there's psychotactics.com slash brain audit. And you'll find a couple of options. One is just the PDF or the EPUB version of it, uh, which is a great start. Um, and there's also the more expensive version, which I would recommend you get, which is like 10 times more expensive. It's at $139. But that gives you the whole workshop. So you actually spend time going through how this thing is broken up, you know, over a two or three day workshop. Um, it's it's a steal. So if you don't want to do that, just go to psychotactics.com slash xbrain. That's like x-files, x-brain. And you'll get the whole first chapter. It'll tell you why clients put off buying your product, why your brain focuses, you know, on a dead cat instead of a red Ferrari, all those kinds of things. It shows you exactly what's happening in the customer's brain. And I don't know, it's about 20 or 25 pages that 
that will be very helpful to you. So that's psychotactics.com slash xbrain. Awesome. All right. So um, first of all, for everybody who's listening, if you didn't get that uh, in the show notes, we will include all of these URLs and links. And, uh, I, you know, as far as a, a place to get started, I mean, that book is, uh, you know, I picked it up on Amazon and uh, for my Kindle and it's it's a steal. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Uh, it's an absolute steal because, again, you know, Sean, one of the things that you do better than uh, the majority of copywriters I've come across and all the copywriting courses that I've I've invested in is explaining why you do things and and and, and how the psychology works behind it. So. Um, and I totally agree with what you said earlier. If you if you understand it, you you know you can implement it better. So uh, so again, Sean, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing so generously. You're welcome. It's been a real pleasure. Fantastic. All right, everybody. I, I sincerely hope you uh, you took a lot away from this podcast. There was a ton of valuable, valuable tips and strategies that you should be able to take away and start applying right away. And you know, I would challenge you to take these seven red bags. If you have a website up, if you have a sales process online, which I know the majority of our listeners do. Get out that yellow marker, as Sean said. Go through that process. Ask yourself, have I got these seven bags there? And making sure, you know, are you using, and that last one there, the urgency as well. And uh, to truly understand these, I'd highly encourage you to uh, to visit his site. At least grab that first chapter. Um, but, you know, I mean, I would really recommend getting the book and and, and even that workshop. And I'll, I know I'll be looking for that as well. So uh, once again, thank you very much for joining us here on the show today. I hope you guys took away a lot of valuable, a lot of actionable stuff. That's my goals to give you some real actionable stuff you can take away and apply to your businesses. So once again, thank you very much. And we will see you in the next episode. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale.